Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome back for the next episode of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Today, we are recording episode 27, and our guest today is Amy Tamos. Amy is owner of Full Circle Physical Therapy. She is a physical therapist for pregnancy, postpartum, and pediatric patients. Her office is located in Clarendon Hills, and then she also does home visits in the western suburbs. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can you go ahead and start off by repeating your name and then also the names of your children, um, if you're comfortable with that, and then the ages? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, So my name is Amy Tamos, um, as Lisa said. Um, I have 10-year-old twin girls, and their names are uh, Reagan and Riley. Oh, I like those names. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Twins. Jeez. Twins is right. Yep. Very busy. Yes, definitely. Lots of activities these days, so lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. Are you in the throes of all all the driving, all the places? Yes. And you know, it's hard because they're very different, but we kind of put them in similar activities just for the ease of that. So I, I really uh, didn't realize how, if you had two different age kids, how much different that would be. So <laughs> I think oh, when you yeah. have twins now, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I can just imagine as long as one of them doesn't flat out refuse to go. Yes, exactly. Although you're almost at the age where you'll be able to start leaving one of them home if the other one doesn't want to go at some point in the next couple of years. So at least yeah. there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yep, exactly. Exactly. If you could describe your parenting style, what would it be? I kind of feel like it's it's a mixed bag of things. Um, I am a kind of an anxious person. So a lot of things I tend to do is because of my own fear of things versus what they could probably handle. Um, I really try to instill independence as much as I can um, with still trying to be on time for things. So sometimes independence isn't <laughs> exactly what we need to do. Um And then just compassion for others. I want them to really realize that there's, you know, people in the world that have a lot less than them and that it's important to recognize that and to just be like a really good person. Um, And then I just want them to always know that I will love and protect them. So I feel like it's not helicopter, not gentle. It's kind of a mixture of all the things and it kind of depends on the day. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no one style that I usually follow. Without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? Um, I'm a millennial. Okay. I had to look that up because I wasn't sure. (laughs) I know. That's what everybody says. I don't even know what what generation I am. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Unless you squarely know, which there are those of us who know. Um, So as a millennial, uh, Mm -hmm. how would you describe how you were parented? Is it similar to how you parent or is it very different? I feel like it's definitely similar in terms of how my mom parented me. Um, I do think I'm a kind of a mixture of both my mom and my dad. I'm a little bit, she was very, very, very patient. I feel like I'm not as patient as she was. Um, so I feel like I always had what I want or what I needed and mostly what I also wanted. So I don't really feel like I was ever, you know, without, I obviously kids complain about things and there were certain things that I did want that I didn't get. Um, but for the most part, like I have a really good relationship with my parents still, um, And I think that's, you know, part of me kind of growing and understanding how they parented me and how is that going to make me the parent that I am. So it's, I I had a really good childhood. Mm, It sounds like you were very lucky. Yeah, (laughs) I was, or I am. Yeah. Can you describe the work that you do for those that may not understand how you help new families? 
Sure. So um, I am a physical therapist and my original career path was full pediatrics. Um, so I was working in an outpatient pediatric center, seeing kids with developmental disabilities, um, some kids with Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, things like that. Then I had my own kids probably two or th- maybe three and a half years after starting, um, realizing that there was that special niche of postpartum and pregnancy. Um, and my kind of happy place is like the mom, new mom, new baby dyad. Mm-hmm. Like a baby comes in, they might need something, but the mom definitely needs postpartum, you know, physical therapy at the same time and really trying to be very efficient with my time and their time so that everybody kind of gets what they need without neglecting the other one. Um, that sounds like quite the balancing act. It is. And I, because I know so much about pediatrics going into women's health and public health was just, it just kind of made sense in terms of you need a lot of compassion. There's certain things I know about infants and development that helps a postpartum treatment session go anyway. So it's, it's kind of like that you get rapport with one and then you almost automatically have rapport with the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of just a smooth transition. And there's not honestly very many physical therapists that see both populations. It's either they're 100% peds, 100% women's health or public health. Um, but I kind of like that, you know, pairing them together because there are a lot of similarities. Um, and that's kind of why Full Circle was the name that I kind of you know, came up with for my business. Cause if I'm starting to see a woman while she's pregnant and then end up ultimately seeing the baby for something that she delivers or, you know, her system after delivery, it's, you know, it's a full circle. I like that. That's really nice. Plus it's very comprehensive. And for the moms, it's a one-stop shop, which makes life a lot easier. Yep, exactly. And the, um, I'm technically in the same building as a chiropractic office. It's called rooted chiropractic. And that's kind of their specialty population is pregnancy, postpartum, infants. So, and then we have a lactation consultant, a different lactation consultant in that mm-hmm. building. So ultimately it's sort of exactly like you said, a one-stop shop for everything that a mom and a baby needs. Yeah. And that's really like smart, but it's also just like, it's very kind because it's very hard to get out with the baby. And even though these could be probably a long period of time being gone from the home, if there's several people you're seeing in the same Mm -hmm. day, it's also nice to feel like, well, that's the big day. And now I have two days to recoup. Right. Exactly. And that's ultimately too, why I added home visits as an option, because if, if travel or getting to me is going to be what prevents you from getting services, I kind of wanted to take that out and like, yeah, I'll I'll travel to you. That's completely fine. And a lot of times it's the, if I'm seeing an infant, especially too, they're so much more comfortable in their home. Mm -hmm. They have all the toys that they want, all that kind of stuff. Um, And on the flip side of that too, there are some mothers that are like, nope, nope. I would really like to leave the house by myself for about an hour and a half. So I'm going to come to you. I'm like, whatever works, that is perfect. And then they also know too, that there's the option of like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff going on. Can you do a home visit this week? And we kind of make that work. Um, I don't want those things that I can kind of, I don't want those like uh, barriers to be why people don't get services. Mm -hmm. So I try to be as flexible as possible. No, and I think that's really smart. Actually, in my own business, Lactation and Parenting Connections, I'm definitely looking into trying to get more into a hybrid also of offering 
the office visit and the home visit. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot easier for people that have to pay out of pocket to just pay that lower rate at the office. Um, and then you're right. Some people just want to get out of their home. Mm-hmm. But yep. sometimes that initial visit where everything is just absolutely insane and you're four yep. days postpartum, that's not the time to be asking you to leave. So right. Um, right. yeah, so I feel like it's it's a really nice balance if as the provider, you can offer that. Uh, mm-hmm. because I have people that then like all of a sudden, you know, they're like trying to clean their house for me. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God, you are not coming to my house. You have no idea what my house looks like. Do right. not worry right. about this. Uh-huh. You yep. know? And, I'm, and I'm always yep. like, I'm not even paying attention to cleanliness. I'm looking at like the stuff on your walls. I don't even uh-huh. care. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What no is your judgment. favorite? Exactly. This is a judgment free zone. That's why uh-huh. I always say like, I, I have like, I am not going to go home, you know, your house has no bearing effect on my job right. or exactly my work or my life. You know what I mean? Right. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, however it goes is how it goes. Now mm-hmm. in later visits, we may bring up, you know, baby proofing, but that's something we would do in every home, regardless mm-hmm. of what it looks like. Correct. Just right. just, exactly. just to try to start, you know, troubleshooting it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. What is your favorite thing about the work that you do? So I really like the fact that, you know, not to say that all physical therapy treatment doesn't affect quality of life, but I feel like the services that I'm providing are significantly affecting people's quality of life. If you have, say you have a really fussy baby and I kind of work on, you know, teaching you some different positions or exercises to help with that, your your quality of life has significantly in- For sure. <laughs> you know, improved as a parent. Um, also too, I see a lot of women that either have, you know, urine leakage when they're trying to chase their kids or things like that. And who wants to be peeing in their pants all the time? Like that's something that is the fact that people think that that's normal or like the normal after you have a baby, it doesn't have to be. So like, I really want to be, that's super important to me to really affect, you know, that's something that you shouldn't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think it's getting people to meet these goals that significantly affect quality of life. Um, I've had so many patients that you know, they're like, oh, I was able to jump on the trampoline with my kid and I I didn't have to wear a pad. Like, <laughs> yeah. excellent. So like stuff that, you know, you're going to do anyway and you're going to kind of push through as a mom, but you should be comfortable too. Like that shouldn't be a problem. You shouldn't be changing your kids' diapers and your own diapers. Like you don't have to do that. Yes. I have a question about the urine language thing since you are a physical therapist. Is it from like the way you carry the baby or is it from like just your pelvic floor strength to begin with, the abdominal strength to begin with, or the labor and or delivery or all the above? Yeah, I would say all of the above. It does kind of, there are a lot of women that I see that are like, oh, you know what? When I was in college, I used to have all the, I used to have leakage at certain times. So as you kind of continue down the road, there are little things that kind of like, oh, maybe you didn't have a significantly strong, you know, foundation even before you got pregnant. Um, sometimes it's not always with the first baby, but it's with, if you have subsequent pregnancies and they're quick, um, sometimes it happens if it's a really, really fast delivery can happen if it's a prolonged delivery and there's a lot of pushing. So there's so many nuances that kind of go into it. Um, typically like right postpartum, like six weeks or so, if you're still having leakage, most of the time it is due to weakness of those pelvic floor muscles that they just, they were significantly overstretched. Hormones are still, you know, raging if you're nursing and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, Some women can actually have tightness in the pelvic floor, which does cause leakage as well. So if you follow any pelvic floor person on social media, 
Some of them are very particular of like, no, you shouldn't do Kegels. Everybody has really stiff muscles. And then there's another side that's like, no, everybody has weak muscles. I treat what I find. I kind of expect one versus the other based on what like the patient tells me. But that's kind of why my assessment is so important to kind of figure out which way I need to start treating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like the way that you said that the it's not the norm. It's like we should not be expecting that this is how we're supposed to live the rest of our lives. And by the time that we have grandchildren, we'll be in diapers. You know what I mean? Like right. this is not exactly. how we're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and that's, which, I feel like it's, it's so important to start treating women after their first delivery and first pregnancy, if they're going to have more, um, because they can see like, wow, this, this significantly helped. I've had, you know, several people like, okay, I'm going to have my second baby. I'm going to come back and then we're going to do some work and, and then I'll get pregnant with my third. So like, it's almost the part of their trajectory in terms of treatment, which I mm-hmm. like because you see your OB every, you know, however long during your pregnancy, like you should be getting your physical body in terms of muscular strength and all that stuff assessed while you're pregnant to prepare for labor and delivery. Hmm. That's a great idea too. What is your biggest challenge with the work that you do? Kind of depends. I feel like sometimes um, it can be with a parent and trying to get them to really understand where I'm coming from in terms of treating their child. Um, some I, you know, in the past have seen children that ultimately have to end up seeing a neurologist or they end up having some sort of, you know, diagnosis. And it's very hard for a lot of parents to like wrestle with that, which I completely understand. I really try to be extremely compassionate in terms of like a label is not going to change who your child is. It's going to open doors for services if that's ultimately what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably having those difficult conversations in terms of like an infant, like or an infant or a child um, in terms of like the women's health stuff. Sometimes it's women are extremely like, I want to be better today. Okay. Well, sometimes this takes a little bit. And if they don't see, I've had a couple that you can tell they're either significantly athletic, they're either personal trainers or there's something like that. And they are dealing with a body that is very foreign to them and trusting the process and kind of going through things and not seeing, you know, relief or success in two sessions. I don't expect that to happen. So I guess, you know, in, what it teaches me is that I have to be a little bit more patient and really explain to those people, like the physiology behind it. Like you're not going to gain strength in two weeks. That's completely normal. You're not regressing. You're not going to never get better. So I think those are probably the two tricky or most challenging options or most challenging, I guess, conversations with those two populations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard because you have to set up realistic expectations, um, but you also have to have somebody in the right mindset to accept that, Correct. you know, cause not everybody's mm-hmm. going to be like, Oh wait, this isn't going to be fixed today. Oh, I didn't understand that. And mm-hmm. back to the piece right. with the baby, <laughs> I'm sure it's got to be tricky if you're seeing multiple delays on multiple fronts and, you know, other things that are happening and you start to suspect things and then you're referring them back to somebody to get the evaluation. Um, those are definitely hard conversations to have because, as far as I know, nobody's in the business to tell people that something's wrong with their child. I mean, it's just right. a really hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. And I think 
you know, a lot of times if there ends up being something like that, I've seen that child and that family, you know, multiple times where I'm like, you know, trying or basically every session gives me more information on what I should do. Um, I go through those conversations. I've had, you know, as a new graduate, you know, first out, like I learned a lot of things of what you should not do, you, <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's anybody in it as a, as a new professional. Um, right. But I significantly hold on to those like memories and realize, okay, this is a way that you shouldn't do it. This is a way that you could. So it's, it's hard, but you know, I, I ultimately owe it to the child to do it. And if the parent responds in a way that I either, you know, disagree with, or sometimes it just takes them a while, I, the kid is my priority. Mm -hmm. So do you wind up sending reports to the pediatricians then too, of like, if there are concerns and you Mm -hmm. feel like that parent may not follow up kind of thing? A lot of times that's more of a phone call too, because Mm. I know offices get inundated with so much paperwork. Like, I don't even know what, if they do read it, probably not. Um, So that's more of a phone call situation, especially if it's a parent where I, this, whatever I suggest is going to be earth shattering to them. I like to prepare the pediatrician for that, but ultimately pediatrician a lot of times already knows that and might have reached out to me already. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely having that relationship with the, the other providers. Yeah. Those relationships are key. Because you shouldn't have to navigate all those emotions on your own. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Did you always want to be a parent? I did. Uh, I remember as, you know, like a 10-year-old really loving to hold babies and doing, you know, just hanging out with little kids. Um, I think that also was why I went into pediatrics in the first place. Like that was, I went to PT school. I had my interview and they were like, what population do you want to see? And I was like, pediatrics. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, that's why I'm here. So it, I always kind of knew the client, the populations I wanted to see. Um, and even like, I remember my mom being always like, why do you always like talk about people that are pregnant? Like as a kid, I'm like, I don't know. Like it was just like some kind of interesting population for me. Well, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the idea that you can grow a human is. inside of a human uh-huh. is pretty. I mean, I'm still like gobsmacked by it sometimes of uh-huh. like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Yep. How did that happen? Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of larger questions there. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> At what age of your child do you think that you really start parenting? I feel like I think around preschool to kindergarten. I feel like before that, you're just keeping them alive and you're not. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know what I instilled in them from, you know, birth to three and a half. Um, but yeah. And now that they're in, they're both in, obviously they're in both in the same grade. Um, they're in fifth grade and we're having more bigger conversations. Like the friends are, things are happening. So they're having more like emotional things now that we have to navigate versus like, I don't want the blue plate. Like now it's like, well, she didn't invite me to whatever. I'm like, Oh goodness. And like the, that hurts my heart. Like I want to, go beat that kid up for not yes. inviting Well, and it's got to be hard with twins too, because then there's always the, do they get invited to the same things all the time? Do they not? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Now we're navigating. So they're very, very different. One is much more independent. The other one really likes to do whatever the other one is doing. So mm. right now the issue is such and such wants to go to the park with Riley. Reagan thinks she can go. So we're trying to figure out like, okay, and I don't, I want them both to be able to go. However, 
if like one was in first grade and the other was in fifth grade, I wouldn't send the first grader every time with the other one. So it's, it's hard because I feel like they don't really understand why, like, why, well, why can't I go? We're friends with everybody. We know everybody from the class. Like I know. So then we try to do, you know, separate things, but for the most part, they're always invited together, which is nice for now. So I guess we'll cross that bridge more when we get to it. Right, right. But yeah, those got to be hard because like, do you find you're always comparing yourself to somebody else with two children, but they're two different ages or two different developmental stages. And then Mm -hmm. therefore you're always like trying to make this comparison, but really it doesn't work because, you know, twins are a whole other ballgame. Apples to oranges, right? Yeah. I used to live next door to twins. And when they first moved in, they were two years old and they'd be like outside, you know, playing quietly. Then you'd hear screaming, then you'd hear crying, Uh then you'd hear quiet because they were inside the house. Then they were back outside. (laughs) And I always just thought that the parents were heroes because I was like, oh my gosh, I could barely handle the one. I just couldn't even imagine. I mean, you do what you have to do, right? Like, you know, and that's our only kids. So we didn't really know any different. So I'm like, oh, what do you, what do you mean? Like, we just all go to the same place. Like we, have our doctor's appointments at the same time. I, so right. like as they're getting older and things as they've gotten older, it's probably been a little bit more convenient, but you can't reason with one differently than the other because they're in the same stage. So it's not like you go, you know, a, again, a fifth grader and a first grader, like the fifth grader might help the first grader do whatever. No, no one's helping anybody because they're just in their own, their own world. I also know people that say that like the twins like switch personalities back and forth. Like one is this way and then all of a sudden now this one's this way and the other and the other one's like what the other one used to be like and they kind of slide in and out of personality styles, which mm-hmm. is so interesting to me. Yeah, it's it is interesting because Riley was an extremely fussy baby, like very, very fussy. Um, and Reagan was mellow, would just sit in the swing and be like, Okay, I guess that's that other kid just cries a lot. <laughs> and then <laughs> Now it's completely opposite. Riley is much more easygoing. There are certain things, obviously, that get her upset, but Reagan is high energy, big emotions, feels things very largely. Um, And then there's other days when they switch and I'm like, oh, that's not the behavior I would have expected for that one. So yeah, I could definitely agree with that. Have they always pretty much stayed, you know, similar in terms of like, developmental like milestones but also just like reading and writing and math because I would just assume that there's always going to be a slight difference there and it's going to be really hard yeah in academics very very big difference one tries a lot harder honestly than the other one does one gets very frustrated quickly and if she has Mm. to really put a lot of energy she'd rather not do it um so there's a lot of similarities between my husband and one of them and me and the other one So it's very easy for me to parent the one that's like me because I'm like, oh, obviously you want to get a good grade. So you would just work harder. So that makes it easier to parent the one like you, not switching to where you and your husband cross and do the other ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, she just doesn't get it from my perspective and I don't get it from her perspective. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, one is much better at math. One is much more artistic. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very interesting. One is a lot more, you know, really like sports. We'll never wear a dress. Don't, I mean, don't even ask her. Um, and the other one, you know, is doing ballet routines and, you know, all those kinds of things in the living room. So they're, I think they are <laughs> the most opposite of twins you could have. Um, they're around 20 pounds different in weight. 
Are they identical or fraternal? No, fraternal. Okay. Bodies are completely different. So it's, it's like having two kids of the same age (laughs) that are not similar. (laughs) That are actually not related even. Yeah. Like cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Almost. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That's super interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It it keeps it very interesting. So there's not a ton of hand-me-downs that we do because one's like, I'm not going to wear that. Okay. Well, and I guess being fraternal, they were always easy to tell apart, but then personality style, it's super easy to tell them apart. Yes. Yes. As infants, um, we would always say one looked like it was like a Bert and Ernie kind of a situation because one had a really (laughs) round head and the other one had like a long head. So that's really like it's Bert and Ernie. That's what it is. Hey, it works for me, right? That's right. Unless you don't know Sesame Street, and then I guess that that's not going to sound yeah, very good right. about your twin girls. So, yes, exactly. You know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what is your most embarrassing parenting moment? A lot of times they're just like staring and pointing probably. And like, and it's hard to know like what exactly do you hush them? Do you make like a large proclamation of like, everybody's different and that's okay. <laughs> so those, it, yeah, it's probably just like the pointing and like, what's that? Or why does she look like that? I would, those are probably the ones. So when they were little, when they were little and yeah. 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 Okay. If you had friendships when your children were babies, how important are those to you now? And do you still keep in touch? So I do keep in touch with, you know, my super, I guess my girlfriends from when I was in high school and stuff like that. And they were definitely around when, you know, the babies were born. Um, we were the first ones to have kids in like our, my husband and I, my like group of friends. Mm. Um, so that was really interesting for everybody to be like, Oh, okay. And now we go to parties and our kids are significantly older than, you know, all everyone's just having like their first baby now. And I'm like, we got 10 year olds. This is, this is something. Um, well, and they watched you have twins and they were like, Oh no, we're not doing that yet. We got to wait years (laughs) for this. Um, so that's, that's an interesting, like new dynamic. But I would say being friends with the parents of my kids' friends is super important because ultimately, like, we kind of all want to hang out and that makes it much easier. We're like, okay, you like her. We like the parents. So let's all kind of do something. So everybody Mm kind of wins. Um, So I would say that's probably the most, like, new kind of relationships, I guess, we've kind of forged recently with, you know, the parents of the kids that we, they hang out with, so. Right. Right. Well, it depends on the sports and school and all exactly. the things. Yep. And then they also go through phases of who they like and don't like. Exactly. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like I've met a lot of parents out here, but there's probably only a few that I really like hang out with regularly. Sure. And mm-hmm. then I have one that I'm like, you know what? I need to reach out to her. Cause like our kids aren't playing together anymore, but I actually really like hanging out with her, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So then it's yep. like, I got to figure out a way to be like, Hey, you know, uh-huh. yeah. you're off. I know. I think she's off on Mondays. Like, Hey, do you want to go for a bike ride on a Monday? If like, yeah. I'm slow for some reason, then like, you know, and just at least throw it out there. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you. Let's right. do this at some point. I never yep. know my schedule until the day before, but if you're cool with that, then let's, you yeah, know, right. Right. Let's exactly. go with it. Yep. But, What do you see as the biggest trend in parenting right now? Probably uh, gentle parenting and like not saying no to your child for certain things. Um, I always said no. I like with two of them, I kind of feel like it might have been my parenting style might have been different if there was only one. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. Hindsight's 20-20. But I've had multiple families that are like oh we we don't say no or we don't I had one that said they don't say the word silly because if you look up like the actual definition of silly it's I guess 
very demeaning and degrading. I, I mean, I was like, oh, so then apparently I say that all the time because so when do I, I. To, I'm just sitting when here I like, oh my it, gosh, that's what uh-huh. I say with kids all the time. And I'd be like, oh, so, mm, and then I would like have a, so like, I guess dealing with that parent was kind of challenging because it was completely different than what my energy was when I would see that kid. I think he was like 18 months or something. So mm. it was a lot of being silly. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, we were throwing things and we were jumping off of stuff. And so that was interesting. Um, so probably just parents that have these specific rules that they expect everyone to kind of follow and to be in agreement with. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you, I mean, I don't think he understood. I wasn't saying like profanity. So it was kind of like interesting, but I've had multiple families that are like, oh, we don't say the word. No, I'm like, but your kid just hit me in the face. So I can't say like, what do we say about that? So I, that's right. kind of, I've had probably negative experiences with that type of style just because it's, you know, kind of affected exactly what I'm able to do. Um, so I would say that. Yeah, that is pretty tricky. I had a lot of training in early childhood in high school and early college. So like that was my first career was, you know, working in daycare centers. And so I'm definitely trained at saying like the we and the let's a lot. But mm-hmm. honestly, like there are times where, you know, like I have a friend who does lessons and, you know, there's just issues where something comes up like that, where like a child is actually mean to her. And then right. she's just like, why is the parent not sticking up for this as an adult? Because like, right. you can't go through life hitting adults, right? Nope. Um, or maybe you can, I don't know. I, you know, but she's like, I don't think you should, you know? And, right. and so right. it's, it's really tricky. Cause I feel like, I mean, I guess it just depends on like where you see your responsibility. You know sure. what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm preparing this, you know, smaller individual mm-hmm. to be an adult who's not a jerk. I mean, this is what I'm, you know, this is the Uh ultimate goal is to treat women well, you know what I mean? You know, care for other people that have less than you, you know, recognize other people's strides, recognize people are all different. He's actually very good at all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, just like, yeah, you know, even if it's just a consent conversation, you can't touch my body without consent right? Mm -hmm. Like this is what we're supposed to be teaching them, but then doesn't that apply to adults? Right. Which is really tricky. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and and we, like my daughters play softball and I'm the assistant coach for the team. And there's a couple girls on that team that just don't respect the fact that they're adults telling them what to do. Hmm. And to me, that's mind boggling because if I ever did that as a kid, we'd be in the hallway, there'd be a talk. There would be consequences. It's, it's challenging to be like, I would parent her in a significantly different way than she's being parented, but it's very difficult to be like, okay, what's my role here? And, but my role is to, I feel like as a coach to, you know, show them real world things like winning, losing, whatever sportsmanship's important respect of an adult that's telling you what to do. Cause ultimately they care about what is going to happen. Like I don't just move you around in the field just for fun. Like I'm doing that because ultimately I'm building in success for you and mm-hmm. for the team. And for so the team. Exactly. So it's those kind of things are really challenging right now because I, if my kids were disrespectful to the other coach, pull them out. Like that's, I expect oh, you to exactly. do that. Oh, exactly. Because I want you to do that. Yep. But 
it's an, and it's an interesting, you know, nuance too between me and me and him because he's very past, not passive, but he's very, he's a very gentle person. And I'm like screaming, like, well, she can't talk to us that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we don't agree all the time, but we make it work for the team. So it's, it's kind of, I could see where you could see where, okay, no, never when you're a kid ultimately could turn into something this, like this, where they're not respecting the people they should be respecting. Right. And it's hard because, you know, the the other side of that is, well, if you hear no your whole life, then you might go crazy or whatever. But I feel like sure. all those times are actually times to concentrate a little bit more on just like positive and negative reinforcement. Sure. Positive mm-hmm. reinforcement is, well, if you're treating the coach nicely, the coach is more likely to put you on the position you want. You know, like it's the best right. thing for the team because I feel Cause like you're effect. actually, yes, <laughs> you know, whereas yep. it's like, well, if you're not listening to the coach and we don't feel like you're actually doing the best for the team, then I'm going to have to put you on this other position until mm-hmm. I can trust that, you know, you do have the team in mind because, right. you know, and that's, you know, I think that that's one of the most important thing when I, you know, as I see my son going through different coaches and stuff like that, my husband's coaching now, but just the idea of like, it is about the team. And that's the great mm-hmm. lesson of sports is learning how to be on a team, care about the team, but also make sacrifices for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your yep. own, you know, goals that you want to meet, but at the same time too, there it's very mm-hmm. important lesson. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. What have your children taught you the most about being a parent? Um, probably that they're always listening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Even most of the time when I don't want them to be listening, I'm like, how did you hear that? Yes. yes. I told you to do the dishes and you're like, but this whisper that I did with my husband was like, what, what'd you guys say? Oh, um, I know. And I love it when it was like, well, I remember when I was four and I was in the back seat and you guys were talking about X yeah. and Y thing. And I remember exactly where we were. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I guess probably just really being patient and it's important. Like I've probably felt all the emotions that they're feeling now, but they might be feeling them for the first time. Mm. So it's important to be, you know, patient and give them the time to kind of deal with that, um, without getting, you know, upset and rushing them and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they're, I'm working on being a little bit more patient. So they're kind of teaching me that. Yeah, it is. It is really hard though, because, you know, it's hard to see things through your child's eyes. Cause I mean, I don't know, I'm older than you are, but I just feel like things are quite different in some ways. And so there's some ways that I just like, I don't really actually relate to this. I can relate mm-hmm. to how you feel emotionally about the situation, but like, mm-hmm. this is such a different, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I, if I could wish anything more of my parents is that they had done that more with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. this idea of like putting themselves in my position. Uh huh. Yeah. And I've been, you know, there's certain other podcasts that are like reparenting yourself and those things are like, oh, okay, I do this this way because that's either what I saw my whole life or, you know, where I felt comfortable. And that doesn't always mean that that's how I should parent them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's very, being a parent is the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's got an opinion about it, too. And oh, that's yeah. the hard uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yep including us when I say like, what is the trend in parenting? Cause it's nice to hear, you know, like what people see, but also you do hear like opinions that come out about it. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're, 
being mean or anything like that. It's just like, well, if nothing else, I know that that's not going to work for my family or Mm -hmm. that's not going to work for me personally, because that's just not how I operate. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Yep. And before you have kids, you think all these things like I'm never going to give them candy and I'm never going (laughs) to. Nope. False. So I, and I, in my old job, I used to work, but I was the only one that had kids and it was really interesting working with kids. So we all is, you know, it was a pediatric clinic and then I had my own kids. So some of the stuff that the other people would like expect from the kids, I'd be like, that's, that's a big expectation, but I think you're going to be upset because that's not going to work out that way. Or like they saw a parent that did whatever and they're like, I'm never going to do that. I'm like, well, you might. In a moment of weakness, we are very alike yeah. when it comes down probably to probably will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's hard because it's a 24 seven job, you know, and Mm -hmm. you don't always have the bandwidth for 24 seven parenting. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had very tough conversations at times that I was not in the place or the mood or just like the emotional availability spot to even have this conversation. And here Mm -hmm. we are having the conversation. Uh huh. Right. Right. You know, and and typically Mm -hmm. that's when we actually do have the conversation. It's like on their radar is like, when does it seem like mom has the least amount of energy? Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about this thing that is just, you know, it's now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, For our final question, what is your biggest parenting advice to share with new parents? I would say that hindsight is 2020. And you would have multiple different ways that you would deal with a situation after the fact because you have all the information. Um, And then I had a therapist that told me that if you're worried about being a good parent, you probably are being a good parent. Oh, I love that. I love people that are bad parents probably don't worry about if they're being good or bad. They're just not being good. Mm -hmm. Um. So I try to remember like, okay, if I'm all bent out of shape about how I responded to this or I'm feeling guilty about whatever, like the fact that I'm redoing it in my head is a sign that I am actually a good parent. If nothing else, I'm actually thinking about my parenting, you know, right? Uh like good and bad or arbitrary labels, but you know, there could be, you could just say, well, those who think about their parenting and actually try to be almost intentional as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe that should be a new parenting style, intentional parenting. Like yeah, I'm just going to try go. to actually just be a parent, you know, right. but yeah, as exactly. opposed to those, you know, that really don't think too much about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, okay, I can, I can settle on that one. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And that's really good advice too, because, you know, it, it's, it basically you're allowing for people to make mistakes, whether or not they actually truly are, they're just perceived mistakes by that person. Mm -hmm. And then to also say, well, okay, what have I learned from it? What could I have done better? You know? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Well, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us for episode 27 of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. And thank you to our guest, Amy Tamos, owner of Full Circle Physical Therapy. Thank you, Amy. Thank you.